Welcome to The M Word, where we bring you unfiltered conversations about all things marketing. Join us as we discuss the many highs and lows, bumps and twists, failures and successes of marketing and running a successful business. We are your hosts, Jennifer Mulchandani and Heather Michaelgard. Get ready for an uncensored journey into the world of marketing. On today's episode of The M Word, we have a deep and personal conversation with Alex Trakis, founder of Bash Boxing. Alex describes herself as a lover of human connection, a movement enthusiast, and a big believer in self-healing. Alex walks us through her journey going from a dancer to a boutique boxing studio owner and why we should all stop taking ourselves so seriously and redefine what it means to play. Enjoy today's episode. Alex, welcome to the M Word. We're so glad you're here today. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you both for having me. Alex, tell us about yourself. Who are you and what is your business? I am going to answer this question in two parts. Um, I love answering this question now of who am I in regards to my business and then who am I, Alex, the person. Um, in regards to my business, I my titles are founder, co-founder, CEO, co-owner, So those are my titles that attach to my business. Inside the business, I do everything from selling memberships with my team to coaching our classes to training our teams to recruiting new coaches and team members. So I'm the operating principal partner as well. That's another title and hat that I wear. Um, On the other side, I am a human being. I am a female leader. Uh, I female founder still feels like a an attached name to my soul that feels really good. Um, Yeah, I'm just a woman out here creating every single day, making the best of her business and even making the best of situations around her. I want to leave people and places and especially my community better off than when they had not walked through our doors yet. So that's my main focus as not only a business owner, but just as a human being. I want to dive into that uh, female founder title because you latched onto it. And I I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more as it it relates to the brand and the femininity that's baked in. But what does female founder mean? And why is is that important to you as a differentiator as opposed to founder? Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, where to even start? I, I think that it is, I think that we, I've gone through a cycle of wanting to just be called a founder and then now re-wanting to be called a female founder because I don't want to say that it's a rarity. You know, we listened to a bunch of stats just the other night about rising female brands and how there's more founders every year, and that's wonderful. Um, but I think that the pride behind that, or and I think the pride behind that sometimes gets lost. Like we want to be equal parts to our male counterparts, and so we're, we just want to be a founder, and I just want to be the CEO. I want to feel equal. But let's not forget that it was harder to get that role or harder to step into that leadership position as a female. So now attaching female founder to it feels more home to me. It feels more it feels more like me because I am a female. I'm a female leader, I'm a female founder, I'm a female coach, I'm a female. And I attach to that um, because it's part of who I am. And I think when I started my business, I I didn't feel as connected to that. And I don't know if that's from conditioning or if that's from um, you know wanting to be seen as equal so, so badly and, and not really wanting to even talk about the fact that 
it might have been harder for me to sit in this seat. But it absolutely has, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I am a female. So Alex, what came first, a passion for fitness or a desire to open up a business? Passion for movement is what I will say. Passion for movement. I have danced probably since the day I could walk. So I've been dancing many, many, many years all through college. Uh, I went up to New York and danced for a little while. So, you know, I, another thing I love to call myself as a movement enthusiast. So fitness came as a as from a love of movement my whole life. It was a very natural progression to get into bar and then a brand called Orange Theory, which I know we've all heard of, and now starting my own brand because I love to move my body. I think that the more we move our bodies, the more we're connected to our bodies and the better we feel. So given that, um, why boxing? (laughs) (laughs) I love this question. So that, to be honest, was more of a business decision. I boxed about three or four times before it became a business decision. And that was something I ran from as well. One of the fears, I'll never forget my business partner asked me, what are your, what are your fears in starting this business? And two, they, I mean, they came out immediately. It's very easy, I think, for female founders to talk about our fears uh, rather than what we our triumphs, what we know is going to work, right? So my fears were that, one, I didn't think people were going to think I deserved it. It was a big storyline for me. I wasn't deserving of this opportunity, this chance, this ownership. And the other one was they were going to figure out I wasn't a boxer. <laughs> um, and that's why I... I I now love just saying I'm a movement enthusiast. And when I found boxing, immediately fell in love with the rhythmicness of it, with how hard it was. I was like, oh, I'm going to get this because I've danced. So I, I know how to syncopate my body and I can, I can move to a rhythm and it has to be somewhat like that. That's the way I was watching it, right? Absolutely not. You move same arm as leg. Your stance could be opposite. Like I'm right-handed, but I'm a left-hand, left-handed boxer. Um, and it's just, it's, I loved how challenging it was. And I, the second I began boxing, I was like, I have to bring this to more women. I felt more and more confident every time that I did it. And even the two or three times I worked on the bag and on the mitts. Um, and I had taken boxing classes before, but when I started taking it seriously with a one-on-one trainer is when I was like, this has to get to more women. It just feels so good for you to connect to these punches and kind of get into your animal body and tap into your masculinity a little bit and and use this like force and drive and fire that we have inside of us that is quieted a lot of the time. And being an extremely loud, extroverted, fiery person my whole life, it's actually taken a long time for me to slide into my feminine that I feel very happy to be able to tap into now. But this fire in me, that's this anger that now I tie back to obviously a very, very deep loss that I suffered as a child. that anger was able to transmute through boxing. And I think that women don't have a lot of space to transmute their anger. We really don't. It's quieted a lot. It's seen as emotional, explosive, what's wrong with her, she's a bitch, all of that. Um, You know, that word is triggering for me. It's not a word that I use often, but it's a word that's imposed on us a lot, especially in business. Um, And I think that boxing gave me all of those things at once. So I wanted to bring it to more women. And then I also thought to myself, 
this isn't in DC, this isn't in Virginia, and I've always wanted to own a fitness studio in Arlington, Virginia. That was really important to me. Even when I looked into franchising for both the Bar Method and Orange Theory, I wanted to be in Arlington. This is where I'm from. I love it here. I wanted my business to be in Arlington, and so there was no boxing, especially not boutique boxing that women would attach to and feel comfortable, strong, and confident in. Um, and uh, yeah, and so that's that's why I went forward with it. Earlier, you shared with us that uh, when you were designing this business, it was important to you to leave certain things out. And specifically, you're talking about like wearable, health technology, fitness tracking technology. Right. Is that thought tied to that like feminine, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of uh, bringing it to the emotional as opposed to this uh, technical side mm-hmm. of it? Yes. I think I also, I've never had a problem speaking to my, the word fault is coming up, but that's not what I'm trying to say. Speaking to my shortcomings or what I'm not necessarily good at, what I'm not innately drawn to. And tech, understanding tech and data has never been my strong suit. It's just never been my strong suit. I am a highly emotional, intuitive human being. I love to use music and emotion to drive any sort of success of mine, whether that be a physical one, a metaphysical one, um, tapping into the spiritual. I've always been really intuitive and in touch with my emotions. Even when I haven't been, I've I've drawn more to that way. So it's never been about a wearable, data-driven business. Uh, I've always wanted people to feel something when they come into our studios. I want them to be able to feel into, like I said earlier, either their animalistic body of just releasing something, getting something out, or connecting to themselves, tapping into something that they haven't felt before, a confidence, a... Um, yeah, and, and I just wanted it to be more about how you were feeling in our walls, how we, make, how we can make you feel rather than what the number on a screen says. So you talked a lot. I think people d- align boxing with men. Mm. And you ha- said earlier, you want to get this in front of women. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about your clientele. Is it primarily women right now? Group fitness is almost always, as I just say, I don't love data. I know this data point. Um, it's almost always 70, 30%. It's just a, a stronger um, group fitness gears towards females in the 70 percentile and 30% of men come in. I do always say, though, I make this joke that a girl, fr- a girl will come try our class and bring her boyfriend and she'll go on and to try other modalities and we'll keep the boyfriend for like four years. Like he absolutely loves it. Um, and so it's funny because people and men don't primarily go towards like a, a boutique style boxing studio, but they've, they've ended up loving ours. Absolutely though. I've wanted to gear our boxing studio towards more women, whether it's through our marketing. Absolutely, once you walk into our doors, you're almost always going to be met with one of my four female uh, studio managers when you walk through the door. Um, And that was important to me, just to feel welcomed and seen and supported right when you walk in. Because when you walk into a boxing studio, almost anywhere, bags are hung. And our studio's in the back. You're going to get a lobby, a full welcome lobby first before you even see what's back there. But you're almost always welcomed into like people already hitting the bags. There's this intensity, this grit, this grind that's around you. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's worked for years and years and years. It's just not, 
it was never designed to make a woman feel comfortable, celebrated, seen, and just welcome at all. And that's what I wanted our spaces to do. So how do you define success then? So if it's not metrics on the TV and who's coming in first or hitting the bag hardest right. or whatever those, I, I don't even know what they'd be in boxing, but like, how do you as, as, a, as a business founder and as somebody who's very mission driven mm-hmm. uh, help your clients know that they're improving or they're mm-hmm. hitting goals? I'm like, how do I start this question? Because we are a science-backed... Again, when I know I'm not great at something, I get someone who is. So our program director, we have a science-backed workout. It works. It is science-backed. It doesn't mean that it's backed by a wearable, but our functional fitness, all of the certifications he and I have gone through to ensure that you are going to build lean muscle mass. You are going to see, if it is your goals, weight loss. You are going to be able to see more definition in your arms, back, your abs. That's what boxing does. Um, so we do have physical goals that you that are guaranteed. If we didn't have that, people wouldn't stay and they wouldn't attach to it as quickly as they do. However, like any fitness that you do, and as a fitness founder, I feel like most fitness founders would never say this. As a fitness founder, I'm, I'm here to say at a certain point, no matter what you're doing, you are going to plateau in group fitness. What keeps people in a gym, I have seen, I have felt, I have been a part of, and I have founded, is how you continuously make them feel how they continuously feel seen, celebrated, how they show up when they walk through the doors. Do, do people know their name? When they walk through the doors, is someone greeting them and saying, hey, Sarah, how are you? Or, you know, what's up, Chad? It's good to see you. How are your kids? Do they actually know what's going on in your life? Do they care? I have this saying, I say it all the time, when you care, it shows. And it's so, so true. When you care, it shows. It is felt. It is so felt within the walls when you care about what you do, when you care about how you do it, and when you care about the people that are coming to your class to see you. People come to our classes to connect with our coaches, to see our studio managers. It is a full community. They come 30 minutes early. They stay 30 minutes after. And that was always... That's how the space was designed. There's a lot of fitness spaces, and you've been in them, that were designed to get people in and out. The lockers are really close together. You're up against the wall. You feel out of place, out of body. You're like, I'm, in, I'm somehow in the way at all times. It was designed that way. It was absolutely designed to get 60 people in and 60 people out because that's how you turn a dollar faster. And I'm sure some of my partners, if they ever listen to this, I'm like, maybe we should have designed it that way. But I was really really hell-bent on designing it so it's a really big open space so you can feel comfortable coming in and maybe going to a corner and just observing for a second before diving into conversation. However, I then would take one of our studio managers or myself and I would find an existing member and with a new person bring them over and say, hey, Sarah, this is Lauren. Lauren's taken 500 classes. She's going to make you feel really welcome here. And if you want to just like chat with her in the lobby now that you're here 15 minutes early, she can tell you all about us. Or if you just want to sit, be on your phone, you can do that too. Giving people that option of, you know, meet somebody, connect, or just sit and observe, be a witness. I love how you call it movement, not exercise. Mm-hmm. 
So for our listeners who are maybe like, I hate exercising, mm-hmm. I could never box, like mm-hmm. what, what do you say to them? You can box. You absolutely can. We teach you. It's something I'm really proud of. Um, we use real boxing combos. You're not just going to come in and throw ones and twos, threes and fours, fives and sixes. And for those of people that don't know the one through six combos, it's basically just like two punches, two punches, two punches to get cardio. We're actually teaching you how to box because I always thought that that was what how the confidence build is how you are doing something from last week to this week, learning a sport. And I'm constantly saying that. I'm like, you're learning a sport right now. You're not pressing a number on a treadmill. You're not locking your feet into a bike and just going. You're learning a sport. You're learning a skill every single time you come here. It's a different it's a different way to move your body. It moves in all planes of motion. So you absolutely have to hit every single side of your physical body when you are boxing. And it also mentally stimulates you so differently. Your confidence is building, the connection, the wiring in your brain is constantly going, going, going. So you can box. And I would just say come in for one class and you will be moved by how much the team cares. You will be moved by how much we are in love with what we do. It's infectious. It's truly infectious. And I can truly say now as a leader, five years in, on my first studio will be five years open in November. Brand is almost seven years old. Um, I'm pretty no-nonsense about that. So I'm pretty no-nonsense with my team that you're going to make everyone feel welcome and excited to box and to learn the same way that you were when you walked through the doors. Almost 90% of our coaches at this point were members at some point. So they started in the room and then now they're on the stage, which I think is really cool. So almost seven years in your business trajectory um, through a global pandemic, (laughs) mind you, you've now opened four locations. Mm Um, and I, I get the sense you're not done. Mm. Uh, where do you get this fortitude and um, you know strength from? Hmm. I can say now from myself, from the journey that I've been on to get to sit in this seat right now. But from the beginning, I definitely look back on losing my dad as the catalyst to entrepreneurship. I wasn't that kid that was like constantly making lemonade stands or bracelets or selling. Everyone tells that story of like, oh, you know, little Johnny was always doing something that made him seem like an entrepreneur. I was the performer for sure. I was gonna sit you down, you were gonna get a full performance. always, whether you wanted it or not. You were seeing whatever dance I was making up in the basement. And my father, a lot of the times, did not care to see that dance. (laughs) He was constantly coming into my room being like, what are you doing? It sounds like a herd of elephants is up here. And I'm like, I'm dancing, dad. I'm dancing. I'm moving. And through time and, and obviously loving me so much, he saw how much movement and dance meant to me. And he was my biggest supporter. And he was at every single show. And you know, he had many, many comments, some fine for this podcast, some absolutely not. He was a very crass individual sometimes. It's where I get that as well. Um, but you always knew where you stood with him. And he, he is where I get this ability to make people feel seen and connected and supported and just loved. He loved life so, so much. That's beautiful. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, so looking forward, 
What's next for for you and what you want to still accomplish in this journey that you're on? Who? Hmm. I believe my entire industry is headed for, I believe we as a collective are headed for a huge renaissance. I think that art, creation, just connection to humanity is coming back. Thankfully, that is already threaded through our brand. It's what it was built on. Um, I think wellness is where we're going. I already bring breath work and meditation into the end of my boxing classes. We now have a class called Bash and Breathe that's 30 minutes of boxing and 30 minutes of breath work and meditation. We just launched literally today something called Be Well by Bash that has a nutrition plan um, accompanied by breath work and meditation with me uh, on Sundays. And that is where I see the company going. It's where I would like to take the company is into a more wellness mindset piece. Because as you mentioned, Heather, I've always been about movement and connection to movement. And I believe and I see and I feel people, especially post-pandemic, just wanting to be able to move their bodies without strict goals and guidelines and all this structure that, that kind of pulls all the fun out of maybe the only 45 minutes of the day that you get to yourself. We went a long time having a lot of time to ourselves during shutdown and really examining the things that meant that mean a lot to us as humans and movement and not being confined to certain movement or confined to movement in our homes really matters now. And so I think spaces where people can feel they can grow and try different things and maybe just lay on a mat and be with themselves for 45 minutes are important. So that's exactly where I think I would love to take Bash. Um, And if it's not Bash, it will be my next venture will be in the wellness space, in the finding your peace space, in the bring your story and we want it here, we want to hear it, and we want you to share it space. I always say I never regret working out. Mm-hmm. I never regret a run, mm-hmm. a walk, a yoga class. Mm-hmm. You always feel good after. Mm-hmm. So Alex, tell us about a time that you fucked up. <laughs> what happened? And was it a pivotal oh. moment? Or did you just kind of brush it off and move on? I'm a huge believer in you've got to say the first thing that comes up. And I think an original fuck up was having my boyfriend become my business partner. (laughs) So that's like, uh, originally, like looking back, it was definitely a fuck up for sure. Um, We have become, obviously we are not together anymore, but it's because we put the business first and he is truly the other side of, of my brain. He is data, stats, all that matters is data. We have to get the data. Um, and it's been really good for me. It's been really challenging, obviously. And, you know, we challenge each other. Um, his name is Nick, by the way. He's, he's an incredible human being, and he's really helped Bash a ton become what it is today. He's applied all the structure we have, all the processes we have. Um, he's seen a vision for the marketing that I couldn't even see. I was really, that was something when I started the business, I didn't even say this, that I knew I didn't want to do. 
I know what the vision is. I can describe to you how I want it to look. I can describe to you the colors and the people I want to see and, and, and the people being everyone. I want to see everybody in our marketing, no matter what. But, I, but understanding how marketing works, and, and I was like, I have no interest in this. And we had two people before him um, that, they, to me, they just couldn't get it. And he got it immediately, and then and then some. So original fuck up ended out working well, and I kind of think most of our fuck ups are like that. Another fuck up I would say was diving headfirst into franchising the business, thinking that was the way we were going to go with no more additional investment than our original investment, <laughs> and just getting. I mean, we had a great team of consultants um, from MSA, from Michael Side Associates, that really helped us get ready for that. So now, if and when we ever want to sell the business, it's completely set up for that. So again, a fuck up that will set us up in the future well. However, we wasted a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of resources on that, and we're not even using it anymore. So, but when you're going through the fuck up, so mm-hmm. I guess with the, the the boyfriend partner situation, <laughs> it might be like when you're when the relationship's ending, yeah. or or in the you know sort yeah. of in building an infrastructure before the you know, sort of concept is fully formed or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, so when you're going through the fuck up, how are you, Alex, dealing with it? Is it like? Uh, you know, cover your head, high, high, not want to go to work today, or is it just sort of like, eh, it's part of it and uh, my job is to unravel the fuck up? Hmm. Both. However, before a lot of growing up, I think in the last two years, the first you mentioned. So I definitely struggle struggled and struggle with depression. It runs in my family. Um, however, I, I also want to add in that it does run in my family, but I'm also six months sober right now. I don't, six months over from alcohol, I don't drink alcohol. And I think that alcohol in my family combined with mental health is, has been a huge issue. And it's something I'm really happy to talk with my family about now in no way telling them what to do, but showing that this has been, this has been what's been able to get me out of bed in those moments where I think that I can't, I can't go to work today. I'm just going to lay in bed and, and make something up as to why I cannot move, literally cannot lift my head out of this bed. Feeling that overwhelmed and encompassed by my fuck ups. And then in America, when we're feeling low and it's a Friday, it's like, let's go have a few glasses of wine. And that never did anything for me but make me want to stay in bed longer. And then Monday would roll around and the anxiety that would build in my body to then need to go lead 40 people through a pandemic was just too much. It just became to be too much. So I would try to quit and come back and quit and come back. And then I finally was like, this is doing nothing for me. This is making me paranoid and anxious and a bad leader. And it's got to go. So that was a huge, huge moment and moment in time. I remember it specifically. I was sitting with my mom and I just remember being like, this is my last glass of wine for a long time. And people ask me now, like, do you think that you'll return to it? And I say... I think I will return to anything I want with intention. It's when we do things without intention that that starts to 
again, the overwhelm builds and it, it, it just encompasses, it's like a wave that just crashes onto you when you begin to live your life without intention. And I was definitely doing that when we were moving through rebuilding the business of the the pandemic because fear started to run my life. And the whole way I was able to start this business was because I was fearless. I didn't give a fuck what anyone was going to say or think for the most part. I was like, I know I can do this. I, I know it. When COVID happened, I didn't know. And then I had a lot of people telling me I didn't know. You have to think about this. You have to think about this. You have to think about this. And I became so riddled with fear and it was the first time that it ever happened. So that ate on my ability to see myself. I have a really vivid memory. I'll never forget this. And I apologize if I get emotional because it's a very emotional moment. Very vivid memory, either end of 2020 or early 2021, calling a friend of mine and looking in the mirror. And I said, I don't recognize myself and I don't even mean in the sense of like, I don't recognize myself. I mean, like I'm the structure of my face, like something is not right. And it sounded so strange leaving my mouth. And my friend was on the phone and she said, it feels to me like your soul is dying. Like there's parts of you inside that are dying because you're living life riddled with fear. And that was the beginning of a huge journey of just healing and sitting with myself and getting rid of the alcohol and the toxic situations and the people that made me feel small and all of it. I spent a lot of time in 2022 by myself. If you would have met me starting the business, I mean, 2017, there was not a moment I didn't have a person around me. I needed people around me all the time, not necessarily to like make me feel good, but just I needed the noise and needed it. And I'm really happy today to say that I don't need that noise at all. Um, I know that was a long way to answer that question. I did lay in bed and not want to get out and, and just couldn't imagine moving forward. And then the days that I would have to, it would be a lot of negative self-talk to get me out of there too. Like, what are you doing? This is worthless. You're worthless. Get the fuck up. You're a shit leader. You don't know what you're doing. All of that negative self-talk. And I just had to really look at where that was coming from um, because it's never where you think it's coming from. It's never external. <laughs> Alex, I want to say congratulations on mm. six months oh, sober. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. And thank you for having the courage to say it. Mm. I think mental health is real and I don't think we talk enough about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we always, oh, I'm fine, I'm good. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of keep it to ourselves. And mm -hmm. I think that gives us a disservice. So thank you for bringing it up. Especially business owners. I mean, isn't it a thing? How's business? Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. I I love it. It's right. so good. <laughs> and it, like if... Because if you say, actually, like, it, right now is really hard, yeah. and I'm going through some really deep shit, people are like, oh, well, you know, it's like you don't want to, like, let the world know no. that it's hard or that, like, things might be in a struggling place. Well, and I think any time that you do, you're met with this, like, you're met with being told you should be grateful. You're asked first how business is, and if you're ever honest, ever about it being hard or there's days that you don't know why you did it or you know you're struggling or your second and third studio like mine are, are not getting off to the same 
foot that the other two were to start. And I'm not afraid to say that. I know that they will get there. Our teams are working hard and we just need to look at what we need to look at and, and restructure and do it. And we're doing it. We always do the work at Bash. We always do it. We don't avoid it ever. <laughs> we have to do the work as business owners, as startups. You just have to sit in the work sometimes. And I, I completely get that. But the second you talk about that, people are like, well, at least you own your own business. That must be so nice. My sister and I talk about that's our least favorite sentence. That must be so nice. Yeah, it's so nice to run payroll for 45 people. It's so nice to have disciplinary meetings that I had two of this week with some of my most seniored team members. It's so nice to sit down and have hard conversation after hard conversation after hard conversation. It's so, so, so nice. Yeah, but but you must be making a ton of money. You have oh my four store, you have four <laughs> locations, right? Like there's right. this idea, and it, I think it goes to part of it is I think prevalent with business owners to put right. on this air of success. Right, that's so true. But it's it, there's you know you're last to get paid, right? Mm. Oh yeah. It's, oh yeah. It's tough stuff. Yeah, it's and I mean that part of it. I fully understand and no, and I do believe to some extent leaders eat last. Like I completely, I've lived my leadership that way almost to a fault. And I'm, I'm rewriting some of that this year. Um, however, yeah, I understand that that is what that is, but exactly. I mean, I live with my mom right now. I love living with my mom and I've been really, I'm really, I am really grateful and I'm very blessed that that's even an option. I'm truly really blessed that that's even an option because if it was not and I had opened my fourth store in the financial situation that the company is in right now, currently, I don't know what my other option, it would be probably living with my best friend in Falls Church, which I was living with beforehand. And the only reason I left is because they were getting married and I was like, I think I got to go. I think that her and her fiance should probably have their house to themselves. Um, but I was always finding places like that as an entrepreneur to pay rent to somebody else that was far, far less than Arlington. I mean, I could never, could never afford a one-bedroom apartment anywhere in Arlington right now. I can't afford it, truly. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A whole other podcast. Stay tuned for, for part two. <laughs> I am loving this conversation so much and your vulnerability and transparency. I want to ask you a fun personal question. <laughs> If you had an entire evening to yourself, what would you do? Oh my god. <laughs> uh, um sky's the limit. An entire evening. I mean, I have such wonderful this is gonna feel scripted and it's not, okay? It's not, I swear. I have such wonderful women in my life right now. Truly, it makes my like heart pound talking about it because I'm so happy with the women that I spend my time with and the conversations we have and the activities that we do. Um, there's a part of this I'm like, do I leave this in? Do I not? I, I don't know. I'll just say that for my birthday, I spent time with two of my friends and all we did was like, meditate together, talk about what came up for us. We pulled some Oracle cards. We talked about that. We ate snacks. We were listening to music. We got out like arts and crafts and we did a bunch of things that like you do when you're a child. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing that a lot. I, well, this is going to come up now too. I've, 
I have this moment, my very last moment with my dad ever. Um, I walked into the office, which is where he passed. He, we had a bed in there that he was taking care of. And he said, where are you going? And I was like, I'm going to work. I have to go to work, dad. I work now. And I remember being frustrated and tired with the whole situation. And I remember looking at him and he looked at me and he was still, he was lucid that day. I actually remember it. And he said, you work too much. You need to go play more. Mm. <laughs> and it's just... I ran away from that for a long, long time. So a night to myself is just play, any type of play that can come in. That is such good advice. Like I think, and I think for our listeners, like playing could mean learning a new sport. Exactly. Right? So exactly. It plays, that's what we have to redefine as adults. Like what is play? Because play to us is drowning ourselves in alcohol at times. Like there, you know, play has always been since fun in college then turns into just default. Um, And redefining play this year for me has been the only thing that's kind of really kept me going. That and our member, our members telling us how important Bash is, but redefining play, it's been what's connected me back to myself. And, and doing that with women that support me in that and that see me in that and don't just see me as the CEO and the leader and the owner of Bash. They just see me as another woman that is redefining herself and reconnecting to herself. That's fantastic. Alex, if our listeners want more of you and <laughs> uh, in in all that you're bringing to the world and our community, where do they find you? Where do they find Bash? Mm. Uh, very simple. Instagram is the easiest way to connect with me, and I'm really good about answering my DMs, and I connect with people on there very well. My Instagram is just at L-E-X-T-R-A-K, so Lex Trake. It was an old nickname. I've been told for years to get rid of it and just go to at Alex Trakis, but I'm kind of happy I kept it now. <laughs> so it's at Lex Trake 13 that's my um, my handle at l e x t r a k one three, and then bash. We got so lucky with this. It is at bash at b a s h. Awesome. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Well, Alex, this has been fantastic. It has. Um, it's very inspiring to be in your in your orbit here and to hear your stories. And and I I too appreciate you getting going deep, getting mm-hmm. personal with us. And um, I think our listeners need to go play more. Yes. Thanks for go talking play. with us. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. The M Word is an Arlington Strategy production hosted by Jennifer Mulchandani and Heather Michaelgard. Our theme music is by Ben Mulchandani, also known as Moochie. Graphic design by Kayla Fagan and Emily Rare. Sound engineering and editing by Ben Mulchandani. 